Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host, Amanda, and today's guest is Dr. Danielle Dowling. If you can hear in my voice, I am a little bit under the weather today, but that is not bringing me down because I am super excited to have Danielle on the show. I actually found Danielle um, probably about a year ago on Twitter, and I just absolutely love what she is doing for people around the world. She has a doctorate in psychology, but it was through her own journey of countless mistakes years of self-work, and desire to believe in herself and her gifts. I mean, how many of us can relate to that, right? Her goal as a coach and a therapist is to help people around the world find their happy. So what does that mean? Well, it means getting clear about what it is that you truly want out of life and setting real boundaries. Because let's face it, everyone deserves to be happy, but a lot of us don't necessarily know how. And while your heart may be soaring through all of the possibilities that are out there that may be available to you, it's always that damn head of yours that gets in your own way and brings you the cold hard facts of all the reasons why you can't and maybe why you're not worthy enough or you know how it goes. All the things that we tell ourselves and uh, really allowing our stories to get in our way. So today we're going to learn how Danielle's own journey is helping people around the world change their lives for the better. How can you find your own brilliance without the guilt and new ways to live through intention, intuition, and unapologetically get rid of everyone and everything in your life that's toxic? Join me as I sit down with Danielle today to find out this and more. All right, Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so, so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited and thrilled to be here. Yeah, we were just talking uh, a little bit before the show started, and I also mentioned in the intro, I've, I've been quote-unquote stalking you for a <laughs> while now on, on Twitter and, and reading your blog and whatnot. Um, I really love what your message is and, and what you're doing for people to, you know, really um, help them to find their joy in their life. And before we jump into all that really good stuff, just give us a little bit of background of, of who you are and how you became Dr. Daniel Dowling. Uh, so I'm, I'm a psychologist as well as a life coach, and I officially began this work about eight years ago. Uh, when I went back to graduate school, um, and I first uh, got my master's and then my doctorate in psychology, I launched my blog and my life coaching business about four years ago. Um, and how? So a little bit about my, how I got into this work. I, I'm the oldest of of three kids. Um, so enough said, right? No, I'm just joking. Um, but I'm the oldest of three kids, and I have somehow always found myself in the role of informal therapist and coach for those in my life. So friends, family, and coworkers alike. Despite this, my 20s were sort of like a war zone for, for me. Between my parents divorcing, I had several friends pass away in World Trade. I was living in New York City, not that far from World Trade when the planes actually hit. My father's alcohol addiction and eventual death in 2005 and not feeling connected to my day job, I experienced a lot of deep anxiety and self-doubt and overwhelming fear. And I often wondered if I was going to be okay. Um, 
running thought in my mind all the time. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Um, I just experienced so much loss and um, so much loss in such a short period of time that I began to just always scan my environment. I began to wait for like the other food, the other, um, the other shoe to drop. And I was very vigilant about looking for what was going to go wrong next. And, and this was a headspace that I lived in, in my, in my twenties for, for most of my twenties until about the end of my twenties, I'd say somewhere between 27, 28, 29, kind of in that, um, in that zone, I began to feel just very oppressed by the anxiety and um, the self-doubt and the insecurity. And uh, I knew as much to know that I just didn't want to live the rest of my life like this and I had to start changing things. And so that was really the beginning of my climb out. Um, it, I, I saw a couple coaches. I had a therapist that I talked to about my, my dad's death and his addiction at the end of his life. And that helped me very much process, um, a lot of upset. And, um, I had a coach that helped me work on action oriented steps, um, as far as creating a life I really loved in, I loved living in. And, it was just a toggle between those things and yoga and working out and just being more conscious about my diet and learning when to say no and when to say yes. And it, it took me a few years, but around the age of 30 is really when I decided to go back to graduate school. Um, and it's, it is by far one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's, I've never worked harder in my life and it's also never been more rewarding. I, I love what I do. That's awesome. What would you say was kind of the aha for you? Because I think that to go through that much, I mean, let's be honest here, in our 20s, we don't know who the hell we are. We don't know, right. you know, we're so lost as it is because it's the first time in our lives when we're really quote unquote adults. Yeah. And to have so much come at you at such a young age to try to navigate all that. I think yeah. a lot of people could have very easily spiraled out of control, maybe fallen into addiction themselves. Yeah. What was kind of your aha to take that and kind of say, yeah, all of this shit has happened to me, but I'm going to take this and I'm, I'm going to do something for the better out of this. How did, how did you spin that in the right direction? It, it took a while is the honest answer. It, it happened in notches. It didn't happen overnight by any means. And that's why I say, I think, I think the climb out started in my late twenties. Um, when I began to, well, I, I sought help, right? So I worked with a therapist for probably a year in helping to process all my hurt, um, that, that I, that I was harboring around my father, um, and the grief. And then I, you know, I, I found a coach who helped me get clear on a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish in my life and begin to take those action steps. Uh, I began to do yoga and quiet my brain. Um, I, I, up until that point, I, it was a lot of just fast cardio, really hard, pushing my body, working out really hard. And I didn't, I really needed to calm down and yoga really helped me with that. So it, it was a couple years of paying attention to myself and what I needed and having a very clear directive of, I need, I need to heal. And eventually where that ended up was if we're going to pick a very uh, distinct aha moment. I woke up one morning when I was about, I think it was about 30, probably halfway through my 30th year. I'm 38 now. And I woke up one morning and suddenly all the excuses that I had for not going back to graduate school didn't really hold water anymore. It's something I had been thinking about for a couple of years. And I told myself I was too old and I didn't have enough money. Meanwhile, I was like 29, 30, which is sort of ridiculous. So I was definitely not old. <laughs> um, but you think you're old, right? When yeah, you're 27, yeah. you think you're old and then you're, yeah. Um, so, so it was really in that moment where I had a very concrete shift. If I had to pick a 
like switch flip moment, it was then I woke up, I sat straight up in bed. So it's like the culmination of all the years before suddenly kind of came like raining down on me. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I trust myself to figure it out. And that was the beginning. I actually, I said that out loud. I was like, I trust myself to figure it out because going back to graduate school was a huge financial, emotional, and quite honestly, physical commitment. And I had never made that large of a commitment as an adult to myself before. And it was scary for me. Uh, Coming from a history, you know, a very recent history, a decade of severe loss and insecurity, for me to be able to say, I trust myself to figure this out and take on such a huge responsibility was life altering for me. It changed, it rearranged my, uh, my molecules, you know? So, so that was the moment, but to be quite honest about it, it took, it took years of paying attention to myself little by little by little and getting the help that I needed in order to, I think, really get to that aha moment. Well, and I would say too, just the steps that you took and in combination, um, you know, I've been doing yoga for five, six years now, and I'd have to say that it, definitely helps with clarity of mind and breathing Mm -hmm. and slowing down. Um, But I mean, gosh, congratulations. I think that, you know, a lot of 20 year olds would have gone in, you know, uh, a different direction. So to really be able to take life by the horns, so to speak, and, and make a negative into a positive, I think that you are a perfect example of that. Oh, thank you. So, you know, thank you so much. At the time, it doesn't feel like it at all. You know, at the yeah. time, I, I mean, you really just feel like I, I'm just surviving. I, I really feel like, I mean, I didn't walk out of my 20s, like, feeling very Beyonce about it. You know, it's more <laughs> like I crawled out, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just, like, survived that, like, on my hands and knees. You know, it was, yeah. it, it felt like that. But it, it's it's nice to have that behind me. <laughs> well, and I you would know? agree, you know. Um, you know, I, I think that all of us have a war story we all start to have that war story come about like everybody I know right around 27 28 up until about 33 there's like this time period in our life where I don't know if we wake up and you know we suddenly want to get our shit together or something wakes up inside of us or if it's like a a soul agreement but it's like Mm -hmm. we have these war stories and we do it's like we kick into survival mode and we don't know how the hell we did it but we look back and go holy shit you know like I can't believe I made it through that but Mm -hmm. um I think it really helps us as individuals to like, you know, I, I think of my own journey. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly didn't go through all that, but I, I know that I had a time period where, you know, I went through a divorce and I had to close my studio, which I had worked so hard to get to that point in my life to open. And mm-hmm. I had to make a lot of sacrifices and, and do and make decisions that I never thought that I was going to have to make. But now having done that and I'm, I feel like I'm on the other side of the cliff now looking back I'm so glad that I did go through that experience because yes. now I can appreciate the things that I do have in my life and I feel so blessed whereas if I had just been given all these things that I have now I don't think I would appreciate them I I agree very much there's a, a lot of growth um, there's a lot of potential growth um, spiritual growth available to us having had gone through those experiences. Yeah, I, I don't regret it, but I wouldn't want to do it again. And I, I most certainly feel like it's helped make me a um, more um, valuable psychologist and life coach. Um, oh, without a doubt. I, yeah. I mean, um, to have gone through that experience, there are many people that have probably gone through s- similar situations and you can take your own life experiences now and say, look, you know, I struggled yeah. with self-worth. I struggled with value. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. know which way was up, but look at me now. You know, I figured it out and I can help yeah. you too. Yeah, it's 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 really about accessing that empathy. And, and, you know, empathy is not about having had gone through the same exact literal experiences, but being being able to connect with the emotions Um, and the feelings of those experiences. So exactly that. We might have very different stories on the surface, but 
the feelings of self-doubt and abandonment and self-limiting behavior and being frightened and feeling shameful or embarrassed and, I mean, you know, or criticized and judged and, I mean, all of that, um, all of that you can relate to. Um, so really kind of getting in that place of, oh, I can remember when I was furious at this person for feeling abandoned, you know, different story on the surface, but the emotions are the same underneath. And um, you can you can connect to that, to your experience, and then be able to relate to your client through that. Mm-hmm. So did you always know that you wanted to help other people? Or did this life experience kind of direct you in that way when you went to graduate school to... Um, go on to get your doctorate? I mean, how did all that unfold for you? Yeah, I, I, uh, certainly when I applied for graduate school and I began my master's program, I knew I was going through that, doing that as a vehicle to help people. So it was very clear to me that this is what I wanted to do when I decided to go back to graduate school. Um, but prior to to that it was it was more like I recognized it as a value added it was one of my gifts if you will um so so as I said earlier I have always for for whatever reason well the reason is probably because this is what I'm here to do right um I've always found myself in a position of being the informal therapist or coach for everyone in my life despite my my particular ups and downs in my 20s I still had friends and family members and coworkers come to me and say, what do you, can I get your advice on this? Or what do you think about that? Or do you, can I get your ear for a minute? And, and I would, and I would sit down and I just, as you know, just I grew and I went through my life. I walked my life. I, I realized that I was able to give pretty good advice, <laughs> you know, like it actually, like, and that was exciting for me. I loved it. I mean, it feels good to help somebody else feel good in their own skin and feel good about who they are in the world. I mean, it just, it lit me up. I, I knew that as much that it was one of my favorite things to do. I, uh, the way I always described it is that I loved when it, someone would sit down with me in a particular state of mind and we would sit and we would chat for whatever it was, 20 minutes or an hour, get on the phone, 20 minutes or an hour. And when we hung up or when we walked away from one another, that person felt, even if it was just a little more sewn together, a little more clear you know, they felt better as a result of a conversation with me. And I lived for that. I mean, it just felt like such a beautiful contribution. And I felt I felt grateful that uh, that I and humbled that I could say something or, or present a perspective that allowed this human being to go out in the world and feel better about themselves. And, and I mean, what I couldn't ask for anything a, a better personal experience and so and so with I lived with that for a very long time and it, it was just again in my late 20s at a certain point I began to think about what I really wanted to do what did I want my legacy to be when I looked back when I was you know 80 god willing <laughs> what do I want to say that I contributed to the world you know beyond just making money and having a nice car and a house, like how did I actually make a difference? That that became important to me. And and so I, I looked across the landscape of my own life and I thought about what when do I feel, you know, when do I already feel like I'm making a difference? And and that was an easy answer for me. Well, I feel like I'm I'm really making a difference in people's lives when I help them feel good about themselves and I help them get clear about what they want and the and and the direction they want to go in. And and so then I asked myself, how do I get to do that all day long? You know, how can I distill it down to just doing that? And then from from that place, it wasn't a far jump to, okay, I'm going to go back to graduate school. I'm going to open a blog. You know, I'm going to, you know, open a blog. I'm going to hang my shingle out there and start, you know, blogging and life coaching. And let me see if I, if, you know, I can do this, in fact, all day long. So... Yeah, and see if anybody cares. I mean, that's the big thing. That's the big validation is when people do care, you're like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Totally, totally. And that was definitely the first six months to a year of of me blogging was just, oh, my God, this people like that. Like, this matters. It's it was it was a gift and continues to be a gift for sure. So what was it like? 
for you when you accomplished going from that early or well 29 30 year old to saying that this is what I'm going to do that I trust myself fast forward to the point to where you did it you accomplished the degree and you did it what was that like for you you know I'm still sort of pinching myself to be quite honest and it's it's a practice that I mean the short answer is of course I'm totally elated like I kissed but there a lot of it is Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Like, right, right. Who, who, like, sometimes I'll tell my story and, 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 and I'm, I'm always very candid about this. I, I worked full time. I, I got a different job. I got a nine to five job so I could work full time and go to school at night and on the weekends. And I launched my blog halfway through that process of going through school, right? And, and so I was working full time. I was going to school full time. I launched a blog. Like, and and before my blog really started earning money, I mean, my day job only paid me $50,000 a year. Now, that's that's a good amount of money, but to pay for graduate school and to live in L.A., it's I, I had something like $175 a month left over after my bills. And I had to, like, stretch that for, like, food or a manicure or, you know. So until my blog really started earning me money, I mean, it's money was an issue, too. And I just sort of put my head down and I just kept saying, just get through today. I had it. That was one of the things that helped me really get through that time period was I really had to chunk it down. I couldn't think of the whole picture because it would have been overwhelming. I just had to do today. I just had to do this class. I just had to do this paper. I just had to do this nine to five day. I just had to write this blog post. And that that's how I got through that time period. But honestly, when I tell that story sometimes to people, people are just like, wow, like they're amazed. And I, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how that lady did it. (laughs) I don't know how she did it either. That's crazy. Like, how did she do it? And, and so it's, it's, I, and I, I, so I think what I'm trying to say is that it, I don't know that I've even fully emotionally processed what I've done or that I've fully given myself the pat on the back that I probably deserve. Um, I keep joking around with my husband that I need to have a little party to celebrate my business because we had a party when I graduated school. But quite honestly, my business feels like a a larger undertaking and accomplishment than graduating school Um, because it comes with no directions, really, you know, and uh, (laughs) yeah, like life. So it's a lot of fly by the seat of your pants. So so it, you know, when you ask that question, it, it really helps me to slow down and really think about, oh, I no, I'm I'm so excited. I'm 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 so thrilled. But to be completely honest with you, part of it still feels very surreal. You know, like, wow, I I did that. I I, I got to tell you, I don't know that I've fully wrapped my hands around it or really absorbed what a monumental accomplishment has been. Sometimes it really hits me. And then other times I get caught up in life and I get swept along by just the inertia of it. And, um, and so I, I think it is in yoga and in moments where I just even take 10, 10 minutes in the morning to breathe and listen to the birds outside my window with a, a cup of coffee in my hand that I'm really able to, those are the moments I, I have to tell you where I'm able to pause and go, wow, I've, I've come so far. I do, I do say that to myself a lot, but I just, I don't know that I fully have absorbed the gravity of it. And that's my most honest answer to that. Well, and I, I think that, you know, that's important because especially as women, I think that we are in this constant state of trying to feel find that worthiness and to find value. And so education is like, oh, well, if we're just a little bit smarter, if we're just a little bit more. So we're constantly striving so we don't stop long enough to pat ourselves on the back. But it is a huge accomplishment. And um, you were essentially working three jobs because yes. you're going to school and you're working. And for those who don't know, I, I've been blogging for seven years now. It is a full-time job. Yes, very you know, much. To, you know, very I write much. on my blog three days a week. You, there's yeah. a lot to it. It's, yeah. you know, it, you don't just sit down and throw together a little article that takes you 15 minutes. I mean, the yeah. average post can easily take two to three hours. Yeah, so, exactly. 
It exactly. is a full-time job to have yep. a blog. Especially if you want it, if, if, if you, if, if you want it to earn you money, if it's a business model, it, it needs to be somewhat of a machine. There needs to be a lot of structure to it. Um, at least Good for me. Good quality content. You can't yes. just throw together this little hunky dory story. You know, it has to be evergreen content and to mm -hmm. spit that out two to three to four times a week Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's very time consuming because, you know, like in my mind, I'm always like, oh, this has to be mind blowing. I can't just put yeah. up anything. It has to be mind blowing and it has to change lives and it has to do this, this and this. And so, you know, just try and think from a headspace, yeah. um, that, you know, that you, you finally get an article out and you're like, oh, thank God. Oh shit. I've got two more to go. <laughs> right. No, it's, I very, very much agree. I very much agree. I could spend, and some days I do six hours a day. Oh, easily. You know, seven hours a day, just writing the next thing, setting up the next month, aligning social media, making sure all the links are right. And I have help. I mean, I have a virtual assistant and a graphic designer and a programmer. I mean, I have a team of people that help me and it, it still takes me hours. And then especially as you grow, if you're fortunate enough to keep growing, then there's the client side of it. So it's not just running the physical blog, but you're tending to your clients, which take up a lot of time. So it is very much, very much a full-time, a full-time business. So yeah, yeah thank you for saying it. that. You have to love it and you have to really have an appreciation for it because like I have a, a you know, as I mentioned before, I'm a designer and I have a lot of designers yeah. that come to me and say, I think I should start one of those blog things. <laughs> How do you do it? And, yeah. you know, I, I'm honest with them and I tell them the time commitment that it's yeah. easily 30 to 35 hours a week. And they just look sure. at me like, well, how much do you make on that? Well, right. you know, like you're not going to make anything for probably a well, couple of years. Well, then why the hell do you do it? And it's like, well, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I think I'm an addict. Um, but you know, I, well, I'm a writer. I like to write yeah. and I think it's great for my business. I like to put yeah. the content out there. It's a great way yeah. to connect with my audience. Um, but yeah, you have to have, you have to know what your why is. Otherwise it's not worth it because it is time consuming. Yeah. I, I think very much it's an investment in your, your community and potential future clients. I mean, I give my best stuff away online. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all, there's nothing new that I really say in any of my client interactions, except that it's tailored to them, which I think does make all the difference in the world when it's applied directly. But uh, I mean, it's all, it's all on my blog. I mean, I have a whole page dedicated to free download. I mean, give it all away. It's, it's a way of, I think saying, look, I'm, I'm terribly invested in you and your well-being. I'm so invested in it that I spend 30 to 40 hours a week creating this space that you can come to where you can feel good about yourself, you know, and inspired and, and entertained and, you know, educated and, and hopefully that gives you a taste of perhaps the kind of work that we can do together. You know, think about it, yeah. <laughs> you know, think about it. And it is, you know, I spent my whole life, my career prior to going back to school was sales and marketing. I, I, I worked for Bloomingdale's and then I worked for Equinox fitness clubs and which is sort of the Prada of gyms. It's very high end. And, and so I, I spent my whole career prior to what I do right now in sales and marketing. And I think that, you understand when you're in sales that it's it's not always a direct conversion. You know, the, for example, you said that you started or you discovered me a year ago. You know, yeah. look at that turnaround time for us to be sitting down and, you, you know, speaking today. If you were a coaching client, it very much is the same thing. Sometimes I get clients that approach me or potential clients that approach me and they've been reading my work for maybe six months or nine months or a year or sometimes two years. And they now feel like the time is right. So it's a, it's having a faith that, you know, that you're creating value that the right people will hopefully invest in further in the future. 
Well, and that's absolutely the, tr- you know, especially nowadays, uh, there was a huge shift after the economy changed, but it's this whole no like and trust. And so there's a huge trust issue now with people. And it's something like you have to be in front of them like 17 times before they'll decide to commit to you or not. Oh, is it 17? The tradition, God, the traditional was seven. It's like seven, back in the day, yeah. it was seven. Because when, when I was in college, I, I did a lot of marketing too, and it was seven. Yeah. And in the past, like five to six years, it's now changed. They say it's somewhere between 12 and 17 times that you have to be in front of someone. And and it's just, it's not that one blog post, you know, that you do or that one article that comes out. It's not the second, the third, the fourth. It's that, okay, she's now starting to come off as the expert and she's starting to change my life. But what else do you got? Like you have to really be able to transform their life in a big way for them to really say, okay, I'm ready to commit. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got, I've got clients that, you know, I did show houses or I did an article or there was that one thing that I did two, three years ago and they either find me online or they get one of my business cards and they'll call me. I, I had a lady that, um, called me about six months ago and she had this old dilapidated card of mine that was like six cards ago you know six brands ago yeah and she's like well I I saw you then I started reading your blog and I've you know I've been um getting your newsletters and she's like the timing just wasn't right and then your last I I did a free class and she came to the class and she's like I don't know what it was but it was just something clicked and I was ready right and right. she's been following me, I think she said like five or six years. Amazing. Right? Amazing. Yeah. So just from a business perspective, I mean, that's why. And that to me, I mean, uh, the blog to me is a, is a great way for me to really get my knowledge and my information out there and really explain the why um, and how you can create that transformation. I mean, I'm like you, I, it's, it's not about the money to me. It's about how can I change somebody's life? Even if it's only one person, if I can change mm-hmm. one person's life, it was worth it for me Yeah. because it's so gratifying to know, um, that you have helped them in some way, shape or form to make their next day and their next day better. Yeah. Yes, very much. Very much. I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> so now that you're this this big um, coach and therapist and you're changing <laughs> people's lives, how do you really help them? You know, as I was doing research and, and digging yeah. deep into your site, um, you know, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed was just the fact that, you, you know, you boil it down to, I help you find your happy. And I love yeah. that because, you know, if you ask anybody, what is it that you really want? When it really comes down to it, what do they always say? I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be yeah. happy, which yeah. is so vague because each of us really truly finds happiness in a different way and, yeah. and different things mean different happy to us. So yeah. how do you really get past the stories that we tell ourselves and the mindsets that, you know, and the roadblocks that we put up and all the, the, the bullshit that we, we, you know, make as excuses and help them really find their, their true authenticity. Yeah. It's, I, I, I personally believe that creating, and this is, this is the approach that I, I try to take with my clients. I believe that creating a life that you love living in is a toggle between a strong spiritual practice and taking constructive, practical, action-oriented steps in the direction of your greatest desires. So it's a it's a combination of those two things. And when I say spiritual, I don't necessarily mean religious. If spiritual for you is religious, great. If spiritual for you is yoga three times a week, perfect. If spiritual is Buddha for you, spiritual is the secret, you know, spiritual is, it it could be anything, whatever spiritual, um, however spirituality resonates with you. But I think it's that, that strong sense of consciousness, um, married with, again, taking constructive, practical, action-oriented steps that is the most effective combination. So so to take action-oriented steps in the direction of your greatest desires, we need to first 
if that individual doesn't know it already, identify um, what are their greatest desires, right? And because some people haven't really quite fleshed that out. And then second, we want to mitigate and or clear the fear and self-limiting beliefs that stand between you and taking that action. Um, I, I spend a lot of time with my clients helping them reframe their relationship with fear and vulnerability. Um, and as a result, we work on cultivating a strong sense of worthiness, a strong sense of enoughness. Um, I try to work with them on knowing that fear itself will not kill us, but the anxiety associated with the unaddressed fear will dismantle us, right? So we're very fearful of addressing our fear. <laughs> so we're very scared of our fear, right? And this is why we repress and we ignore and we push it to the back of our minds and, you know, and we, because we're afraid that it will, the pain associated with addressing the fear will be more painful than living with the fear, if that makes sense. But what I try to get across is that it, fear will not kill you. <laughs> it will not, you know, but the pain and the unaddressed fear will slowly dismantle you from the inside out because that's just what it does. We want to be curious around our smallest and deepest fears because really it's an educator. Fear is here to teach us something, you know, and listening to it is always a good idea. So I, I really try to help them create a more empowering relationship with their fear. We learn how to work with it. We learn how to mine it for the gems and then step around it as we reach for what we, what we want. Um, so toggle between a strong spiritual practice and creative act and taking constructive, practical, action-oriented steps in the direction that we want to go. Um, but that also means addressing our relationship with fear and our relationship with vulnerability. And so I, with most clients, we spend a good chunk of time working on that before we move into okay, what do we need to do? What steps do we need to take in order to get closer to what the life you most want to live, creating the life you most want to live? I would think just getting through the immediate anxieties and fear and self-worth and our value issues, that alone, um, being able to step on the other side of that, um, would I would think would really start to help someone to open themselves up in new ways um, yes. my good friend, um, who I've had on the podcast, Stephanie Burns, she is in San Diego. She owns Chic CEO and she helps mm -hmm. women, um, really get through fear and taking their dream or their passion and turning it into a business. And, um, I've said this quote so many times because I love it so much, but she says, having a vision gives the pain a ch of change a purpose and it's so very true smart. Yep. Because yep. if you don't know what it is that you're going towards or what it is that you really want, then that pain and that fear is what's going to stop you. It's like this yep. roadblock that comes up and you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm out. But yep. if you can see through the gate, that vision of your why, then it's like, okay, how do I get through this gate? Okay, I'm yep. ready. Yep. And I think so many people just get caught up in that fear and that anxiety and self-worth issues and not being good enough. And, um, you know, I struggled with that from my, my, uh, previous marriage is that I was constantly battling not being good enough, uh, didn't feel valued. Um, the verbal abuse of, you know, just, it, it could always be better. And so, the good thing for me was that I did have that vision and I did know where I was going and what I wanted. So it helped me strive for better. But mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you. I think it can be very paralyzing. And so people do fear, fear itself. Yes. And so they just become paralyzed and do nothing. That's why yes. I think it's amazing that in your 20s, you, you were 
able to have that aha and say, okay, I'm going to get a therapist and I am going to get a coach and I'm, I'm, it may be literally one day at a time, yeah. but I'm going to take this experience and I'm going to create change some way somehow and, and make it better. Yeah. Well, I knew I couldn't, st- I think my driving, my driving motivation was I can't stay like this. I, and that's all it was at the time. You know, I can't, I just need to take the first step. I just know that I, I can't stay this way because I don't feel good. But the, just don't again, feel good. I think that it, it was so amazing that you were able to take that and spin it into a positive because what sure. do we want to do? We want to alter our state because you yeah. don't feel good. And so it could have very easily turned into addiction itself because you oh, want to alter your state. For sure. For sure. And I sometimes wonder... Wow, that's I think it's crazy that I didn't just give up or get yeah. severely depressed and not get out of bed. And so you know, that is your task but, for today: is you need to just marinate in the fact that you are a complete <laughs> rock star and you've done you. this amazing thing and you're changing lives and you. just you've been kicking ass and taking names. Thank you, thank you so much, <laughs> thank you so much. I have a huge smile on my face. Thank you so much. Good. <laughs> I do have um I do have a, a yoga session after this, so it's perfect timing because I'm gonna I'm really gonna take that message to my yoga class and and really try to sit in that good place. So yeah. gratitude, <laughs> hold a attitude of gratitude for everything that you've been given. What a gift. So Thank do you. you work with? specific types of people do you particularly like to you know do you hone in on women or business owners or what what type of people do you typically work with sure historically historically i work with women who are good at what they do but want to be great or stuck and want to get unstuck and that's either personal or business i mean our businesses are personal so again it kind of always begins on the personal side, it, we, we begin a conversation. We begin these conversations. I find that we begin these business conversations essentially always talking about some sort of form of fear, um, self-sabotage, self-limiting beliefs, self-doubt. Um, we end up talking about that. And, and once we can kind of create a little more acceptance and forgiveness and patience around um, that, then creating a business that we love becomes a lot easier. Um, so, so I say that to say, I think we always start with the personal, even when it's business, <laughs> but, um, but it's traditionally been women, but as the years go on, it's, I, I do have more and more men in my practice as well. Well, you know, we all have issues. So, I mean, yeah. men could help use help too. Yeah. We're not the only ones with the issues. <laughs> yeah. I think I chose women in the beginning just because it, it also felt, safe-ish. Um, and as far as marketing and sales went, I felt like I could direct my brand towards women. Um, but I've, but I'm, I'm pretty open about saying I work with both men and women at this point. What are some tips or techniques that you can offer to the listeners today to help them live more clearly or I guess more with intention and more mindful and really help. I I agree that we all have these self-limiting beliefs and we hold on to toxic behaviors and even toxic people. What are some tips that you can give to, if somebody's listening today to really help them start moving in the right direction? Uh, I'd love to start here because I think that this is also what helped me the most you want to start with being kind to yourself, not punishing. Okay. So we never get to love. We will never get to love and a loving life by going through fear's front door. And a lot of us have the belief that, or the subconscious belief, I don't know how conscious this is, but the subconscious belief that we can create a life we love living in via punishing ourselves into shape. Into shape, meaning the body, the bank account, the food, the career, the relationship. We're very, very hard on ourselves. And I just don't think that that's the way. Um, So we want to try to practice a lot of kindness towards ourselves. 
And I created, and the listeners can head over there if they want to after this call or really whenever. On my website, there is a navigation page called Free Stuff. On that page is a series of downloads called the Make It Happen downloads. And there is a Make It Happen daily, weekly, and yearly goal-setting guide. Even if you just start with the daily, there's like six prompts on there to keep you mindful about how you're being good to yourself that day. So how are you moving your body? What kind of food are you ingesting? What are your top priorities for that day? What are the things that can wait but need to get done in the next 48 hours? What's one thing you're feeling grateful for today? What's one big dream that you're working towards? You know, what's your word of the day? But And you don't necessarily have to use those prompts, but use the idea of it as inspiration for directing your thoughts and emotions for the day in a kind, loving way. So as far as being more in tune with yourself, you need to get into your body and into your head and be asking yourself, how do I physically feel right now? What do I need? you know, and getting into your head and thinking and just being aware of rather, what are my thought patterns right now? How is it making me feel? Is this the way I want to feel? You know, how do I want to feel? And what would I need to do in order to feel that way? So in order to harness, we all have intuition. We're all born with intuition. It's not something that you create. It just needs to be sharpened. And it gets sharpened by tuning into yourself. So don't Watch how much you go external for inspiration and for the answers. You really want to fold inwards and get, because that's where the answers lie. That's where the the best answers lie. And so I think perhaps using the make it happen sheets or creating your own version of them, a way to track how you're treating yourself and what you're thinking about each day, if you could do that for seven to 21 days, it could create a really nice new habit for yourself of really being mindful of how you feel in your body and what kind of thoughts you're thinking. I love that. I, I agree. Um, and I just put up, uh, my podcast yesterday with the, the guest that I had a couple of weeks ago, Melissa Kitto, and I called it how to unlock the door to God. Mm, and okay. the thing that we spoke about the most, she's a, also a guidance coach, but she's an intuitive. And so she helps people sharpen their intuition. And yes. she talks about that very thing that we are all intuitive. We all have the ability to go within, but we choose not yes. to. That's right. Mostly because our culture tells us that it's weird. But it, she teaches people and works with them to to help them get clear and I we talked about how I don't know if it's a fear or we we have in our culture especially we're not productive if we're not ah, we're busy we've got so much to do yes. to-do list to-do list to lose yes yeah we get so spun up in this froth like well if we don't have this crazy calendar then we're not you know Americans yeah, yeah. um yeah but she talks about we talk about the word choosing a word for the day and and whether you take that into yoga or you know just a quiet space and meditation but she also talks about how it's really important to just connect with yourself and slow down long enough to check in how Mm -hmm. do you feel today yeah what do you need today it's such a significant I I remember when I started slowing down. I like, for example, if I could just use working out as an example, um, I would work out seven days a week pretty hard, right? The whole punishing mentality of I will get the body I want by working out this way. And I remember when I started to just have this, a philosophy of being kind to myself. I remember many days waking up and be like, okay, got to go work out. Cause I had been, that old knee jerk behavior, right? That old conditioning of, you know, you want this healthy, strong body, you got to go work out and it's got to be two hours. 
And I really remember noticing, because I was practicing noticing, right, my thought patterns. And I remember so many times catching that, you know, that punishing, go work out, got to go work hard. I remember catching it and going, wait a minute. Okay, what do I need right now? What does my body need? What does my spirit need? Do I need to go run? Is that what I most need? to go run for an hour or do I need to maybe just walk around the block for 20 minutes, you know, and it made the biggest difference in the world for me over the course of time, right? These things take a little bit of time to change, but it was so liberating and so relieving to get to a place where I could ask myself, wait, but what do I need right now? And then give myself what I need without guilt. Guilt. That's right? the, yes. Without the guilt. And, and, and there are many days where I would wake up and be like, I need to run. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I'd be just, maybe I would be angry or I'd be super frustrated or I would have an abundance of energy that I just needed to run through. Right. And then that would have been what I needed most. That was the best answer. Right. That's what I needed. That was the kindest thing I could do by myself. But it was just really getting in that practice of learning, well, maybe the kindest thing for myself right now is to sit and read and actually not work out. And not you know, feel maybe guilty all, about it. And not feel guilty about it. And and so so I I love that. I love that and I, I support her messaging and I couldn't agree with you more. I when it really comes down to getting it right, there isn't a manual. As Thomas Edison once said, there ain't no rules around here. We're trying to accomplish something. Fear truly is here to teach us something. So as Daniel said, learn to develop a relationship with it. With knowledge comes great wisdom. Learn the tools to dismantle it and embrace it. And ask yourself, are you surviving or thriving? We all have our war stories, but God's greatest gift to us is potential. And our greatest gift to God is developing it. So stop fearing fear itself. Rise to the occasion that looks like a challenge so that you too can find your happy. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda. And if you like this show, subscribe or leave a review on iTunes. To learn more about Danielle, go to her website at danielle-dowling.com. If you have questions or comments, email us at info at gatesinteriordesign.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at The Amanda Gates. Bye for now.